Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. co-host with Mark Eddy, who is the host tonight. We're really looking forward to this show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have some amazing people with us, and um, we, are, we are so excited. I'm going I'm to pull Mark right on because it's a full show. Mark, good evening. Hey, how are you, Barbara? Doing well. Good, yeah. Everything's uh, still cold, gray, and dreary here. Just uh, can't wait for May to get here. I've had enough of this all. <laughs> you have a ways to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I hope everyone had um, is off to a, a great start to the new year. Uh, I'm recording to those uh, uh, um plans about a month ago, like today was supposed to be our uh, first co-hosted show uh, after the holiday, but we did multiple shows uh, during that time, and so it's like so much for that Christmas vacation. Yes, there was none. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Zelda and Blog Talk's English Robot Babe uh, miss me, so uh, yeah, Maybe uh, you know we'll uh, get get a spring break, even though both shows are booked almost to October. But uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, blog talks, English Robo Babe, um, uh, I'm predicting she's going to like me in the new year. Okay. Uh, I'm prognosticating on January 9th I'll be working for food. And yeah, I think for tonight, I'm foretelling that we're going to have a great show. So I, 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 yeah, I really enjoy both guests. You know, I've worked with them several times, and they're they're really terrific. And you know, so as we close 2018 and begin 2019, uh, people wonder about the accuracies 
of you know predictions for just ended and what forecasted in the new year. And our first hour guest is Victor Baines, and he is going to discuss the legacy of the greatest prognosticator, Nostradamus. And you've seen him providing commentaries on the History and Discovery Channel uh, episodes that feature uh, Nostradamus. Uh, he's the author of Remember the Future, Prophecies of Nostradamus. Uh, Victor is president, president of the Nostradamus Society of America, and their website is NostradamusUSA.com. So, uh, welcome, Victor. How are, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for that great introduction. I hope you right, do have yeah. some fun tonight and uh, explain some things about my opinions of the future based upon Nostradamus's writings. Okay. So, it, how's how's uh, the, the first three days of 2019 treatment? Well, I'll tell you, I, I hid inside my apartment on uh, New Year's Eve because there's a old saying, uh, that's amateur hour, that's amateur night or whatever. So uh, I kind of seek security in my own little place. But the last three days have been good. It's kind of been cold and icy down here in Texas, but I'm like you. I'm always looking forward to springtime. That's that's when I get going really good is when the the sun gets strong and the plants get growing and there's just kind of uh, a great feeling in the air. Okay, cool. All right, so, um, you know, let's uh, – I'm, I'm done with my – uh, r- rants about my uh, you know, cu- couple uh, uh, female groupies. So uh, <laughs> let's maximize the uh, time. Uh, talk, talk about uh, Nostradamus. Let, let, let's uh, yeah, just get get a little background, like you know, or you know, like his birthplace or like where he's buried. Are, are, sure, are I'll give you. A little compressed packet of information okay. here about Nostradamus. First of all, Nostradamus was a Frenchman, and uh, simply stated, he he wrote uh, 943 predictions, or actually, they're prophecies. You know, a prediction is something that is man-made, and a prophecy. Most people don't know this, but a prophecy uh, has to include uh, God into it. So prophecies come from uh, from the heavens, and predictions are something made by men, just to make a distinction there. But anyway, so Nostradamus wrote a book called The Prophecies. It was uh, the last publication during his lifetime was in 1555, and uh, it contained 943 quatrains, a preface, and an epistle. And there's a lot of prophetic information based in all three uh, of the different sections, uh, in his preface, he explains a little bit about the nature of prophecy and uh, what what true prophecy consists of and kind of the nature and the rules pertaining to his prophecies. During the quatrains, he spills out uh, prophecies that run, run from his lifetime, the 1500s, all the way to one, he mentions the sun burning out in the year 7000. But mostly they're about the, like the most... Uh, most important things that will occur probably in the most, most likely the five or six hundred years following his death. But anyway, uh, you've heard the little song, uh, Columbus uh, sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Well, to get some perspective, Nostradamus was born in 1503, 11 years after Columbus discovered the New World. 
Uh, Nostradamus kind of grew up in an upper-middle-class uh, home environment. He was a very curious and intelligent young man, so they say. And as a kid back then, he was introduced to the languages of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, as well as his native French. So uh, he was very learned in, uh, in literature. And uh, he had an inclination towards medicine, so he was in, excuse me, in 1522, he enrolled uh, to study pharmacology in a very uh, prestigious uh, university in France called uh, the University of Avignon. Uh, later on, he obtained his doctor's degree, but some people say that he actually left school without being licensed because he was sort of known as a cocky student and uh, would kind of butt heads with his professors. But long story short, uh, he was an apothecary, uh, an astrologer, and uh, a healer to a certain degree. Well, whatever you would call a doctor in those days would really be an apothecary or a healer because medicine was not very advanced. But whenever you studied medicine back in those days, alchemy was something that everybody studied because alchemy was more or less the precursor to what we know of as modern-day chemistry. So in the course of studying alchemy, uh, he got off into this kind of metaphysical tangent. And uh, alchemy was kind of an underground activity back then, and studying anything spiritual that was kind of out, out of the bounds of the church because the Spanish Inquisition was going on at that time in Europe, and uh, nobody wanted to get burned at the stake, you know, for uh, being accused of, of doing something outside of the realm of Catholicism. But anyway, so he secretly wrote most of his quatrains while being on the road in Europe, avoiding uh, the grips of the uh, Spanish uh, Inquisition. But later things cooled down. He went to Italy for a while to avoid them. But uh, he, was he was friends with kings and queens, so they kind of covered his back. But long story short, uh, it was in 1559 when he actually became a rock star, more or less, uh, for those days, became somebody very famous and highly respected by predicting the death, the accidental death of his king, King, king Henry II, uh, in a jousting tournament. So that sort of set him up in his area as a person uh, of, of prophetic knowledge and prophetic power. But uh, he finished writing his books, uh, all, all the different sections of his books, and published them. His son published them two years after he died in 1568. And from that point to now, uh, intelligent people who are intellectually curious about the future have been trying to read them and study them and try to figure out what's going on so we can alert others and power to hopefully make our future as good as it can be. So that's his story in a nutshell. Now, here I am 500 years later trying to go, wow, look at this, look at this. I mean, there's so much information uh, in all of his, all of his writings that it's, it's really quite dumbfounding to me. And uh, I plan on writing, I've already written one book about him. I plan on writing uh, several more into the future. Okay. So, you know, if you want me to, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, we're, we're building up to some of the predictions, but before we get to that, uh, you know, maybe you, you need to explain, like, you know, how we did that in the first uh, few quatrains of century. Oh, okay. One. Now, if you want to know a yeah. quick, a, a, kind of a brief summary of some of his, the high points of the predictions he's made from then until now, I can do that for you. Like so, the one his prediction about his king dying uh, accidentally in a in a jousting match uh, that happened during his lifetime. That sort of set him up 
for the record of success that we know of today. He predicted the Great Fire of London. Uh, he said it would end in the year 666. Well, in 1566, the huge fire in London occurred, and uh, people that are went, wow, this guy has some power. This Nostradamus guy knows what's going on. Later on, uh, in the late 1700s, he predicted the French Revolution, the rise of Napoleon. There's about 20 quatrains that deal with that, and he very clearly uh, explained in some of his quatrains exactly what happened in the French Revolution and all about Napoleon and uh, how Napoleon treated the church and how Napoleon conquered uh, all of his adversaries in Europe and as well as Napoleon's demise. Uh, then we can move forward to World War One. He sort of looked at World War One and World War Two as kind of one big long event with with a break in the middle. He made more predictions about World War Two than he did World War One, and uh, he mentioned three antichrists of the future that would uh, be troubling the world. Napoleon Bonaparte was his first one. Uh, Adolf Hitler was his second one. The third one is yet to make uh, his arrival uh, in, in the, on the stage of the world, but uh, I've deduced there's many different ideas as to what is the name of this guy, what does he do, where is he from. I've determined that the guy, that the name for the Nostradamus' third Antichrist is Selin, S-E-L-I-N, and I'll get into him here in a little while. But in okay. addition to, uh, he, he referred to Hitler as the captain of Greater Germany, uh, in, a, in a couple of quatrains, and uh, uh, those from the Danube and the Rhine, and uh, Hister uh, was a, yeah, a, a yeah, symbolic he really term act- he used for Hitler. Yeah, he, yeah, he, was he was good really at teasing us with like using maybe a word that was like a letter off or whatever to refer mm-hmm. to somebody. Go ahead. Oh no, H- Hister and Hitler are you know very. Uh, Close. Oh yeah, he's just kind of intellectually teasing us by by Mm -hmm. using that. He actually named Louis Pasteur by name. He said Pasteur would be uh, worshipped like a god, and uh, in the 1800s, Pasteur was like worshipped by a god more or less uh, by the public over in France and around the world for his discoveries. So sometimes he would actually use someone's name, and then sometimes he'd have a little deviation uh, on the letters of their names. But you can tell who who he's making a reference to by the other information that those quatrains contain. I'll tell you what, I've done some research a couple of years ago before this last presidential election, and I guarantee you Nostradamus did not sit here and include quatrains about every person who will be a president in the United States or Russia or France or anywhere else. But obviously people of power and leadership uh, will be people that he will write about from time to time. And I don't have the quatrain number in front of me or the quatrain, but I can tell you that a couple of years ago when I was doing some research for the last show I did for the History Channel, uh, I found a quatrain that, that cleverly makes a reference to a future Republican uh, president here in the United States. And people don't really realize that the first Republicans, the first Republican Party, uh, was over in Rome, you know, over a thousand years ago. They're the ones who established. Uh, the idea of republicanism and republic and how all that is set up. But long story short, uh, this quatrain mentions the word capital, C-A-P-I-T-O-L. 
And uh, C-A-P-I-T-A-L is how you refer to the capital cities of most uh, nations around the world. But in America, our capital, Washington, D.C., is spelled C-A-P-I-T-O-L. So it's like, ah, you have to be a literary Sherlock Holmes to look at every word in a quatrain. So uh, when I uh, refine this quatrain, I'll be posting it on my website in the next month, and everybody can look at it. But long story short, I'm not trying to be a political guy here or, you know, uh, demonize anybody or be on one side or the other. But just looking at it from a neutral position, it seems like there's going to be some big trouble uh, for President Trump here in the coming year, in my opinion. Anybody else have any uh, ideas on that one or in that area? No, I, agree. <clears throat> I agree with you. I, I My feeling was that the foundation of our of our government was going to be it's cracking now. It's going to be cracking even more. I completely really agree. I mean, I remember growing up in the 60s seeing how, you know, politicians treated one another and how they would speak in public and, you know, uh, what they would say about their opponents on the election train campaign trail or whatever. But I, I've just never seen anybody get dirtier and meaner. I mean, the whole every, this whole political thing is just so adversarial these days. It's like I don't even know who'd want to run for office. <laughs> <laughs> no, my feeling I mean, is that eventually they're going to have to reorganize it because it doesn't work. Well, it's starting to look dysfunctional to me. That's all I can say. It's like, why can't people be nicer? Like, come on, man. Don't demon, you know. <laughs> everybody wants to demonize everybody. It's like, come it, on. It, it, I, I know it, Republicans that are nice people. I know Democrats that are nice people. I know people who don't vote at all who are nice people. So what do you have, Barbara, on the, the Trump thing? Um, it's, in your, it's, in your it's, crystal ball. <laughs> I don't use so a crystal ball. I, I do not scry either. But um, it, it feels to me as though um, there, is, there is a tremendous reorganization coming. It feels as though um, we're going to find it, over the next year um, there's going to be so much um, there's going to be so much anger and frustration, and it feels to me as though there are going to be a lot of. It, it, no, it really it feels like like we're going to find that that in, the truth that has been hidden for a long time starts to come out, and that destabilizes the government. Well, it's starting to look very uh, destabilized to me just by by negligence or neglect or whatever. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just sense a, like a big pimple's going to be popped. It's been sitting there festering for a long time. And uh, not to sound gross, or, you know, <laughs> the the, do, the dookie's going to hit the fan or however you want to say it. And you're right. I think it's going to maybe shake the core of democracy some way. But, you know, Jefferson said, hey, every so often stuff's going to happen, and we, we're gonna have, you're going to have to reorganize. You know the way this uh, this democratic system is set up to operate. So he exactly. knew that change was constant, but I'm like you. It seems like we've kind of surfed along the way it is, but this is something's going to get really out of control. And I think, long story short, that Mr. Trump is either going to resign, or be censured, or be impeached, or he's going to leave office for some reason somehow before his term is up in 2020. Well, but we shall see. I don't know about but, that. But, but. Yeah, uh, I, 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 we have yeah? an exclusive. Ah, yes, we do. 
Um, there you go. You heard it right here. Although I think there's yeah. other kind of rumors out there, but but that's just well, my, that's my feeling. And hey, I wish I, I respect our president and I wish him all the best. But I, I'm just having to do my job here to make that prediction. Yeah. That's well, a personal well, prediction see. on my part. I saw um, all sorts of rioting in many major cities this next year. Major rioting. <laughs> I don't doubt that. So and and I New York, Florida, Chicago, Saint, uh, San Francisco, and Los Angeles were the ones, and, and Texas, Houston, Texas. I think that's that's where I saw the major rioting. Well, Paris is what's still going on. Oh, yeah. it's crazy what's going on over there. Hey, they're the ones who invented the French Revolution. we got to give them credit for, uh, I'll say this for the French, I think Americans, we're, we're sitting around like sheep. I hate to say it, but if we were sheep, I could say our rancher uh, controller has been violating our space, if you know what I mean. We sit around like sheep, and we let people run all over us. But, boy, in France, hey, they stand up for their civil rights. they got the balls to stand up. And they're not afraid to go out in the street and riot. I'll tell you what, if we got off of our lazy rear ends here in America and went out there and, you know, hopefully in a civilized way, expressed ourselves more <laughs> in riots and this and that without, you know, really creating much damage or anything, I think we'd get a lot more things done. So I, I kind of have to go, yay, I'm clapping for the French because at least they got the <laughs> the gonads to get out there and do something. Well, isn't that kind of an oxymoron, civilized riot? Well, you know, I guess it's kind of like Gandhi. You have to go uh, protest, but do it in a hopefully in a nonviolent way. So I'm not saying, you know, hey, let's go watch mobs of people burn up cars and burn buildings down. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying if you know a million people appeared out in the street one day for whatever they were standing up for, you'd have to say, well, wow, people are really getting it together and expressing uh, their sentiments and you know letting people know how they feel rather than just sitting around and doing nothing. I mean, I think we're watching the the de-evolution of society. I used to walk into buildings, people would be talking to one another, visiting. You walk to a building these days, everyone's sitting there staring at a phone, not talking to the person next to them. It's like, God, this all these smartphones have grabbed people's minds. Now people tell me what to think <laughs> when I log <laughs> on to this website. Uh, Facebook tells me this is the new style. I'm worried about my self-image. I mean, everything is so weird compared to how it was 20 years ago. What do you all think? Oh, well, I agree. Uh, and go ahead, Mark. Sorry. I, I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, you have that uh, what uh, the Emerson uh, essay, uh, you know, 140 years ago about civil disobedience. Uh huh. A little bit of an oxymoron, but uh, you know, uh, America uh, does have those <coughs> foundations. <coughs> excuse me, and um, you know, just keep it, it just keeps going on. And you know, like you said, uh, well, we may have to um, go through another uh, revolt here soon. You know, drain even more of the swamp. There you go. There needs to be some correction every 10 or 20 years or something. <clears throat> Let me say this about the Middle East. Pardon me. There is one quadrain that mentions Syria in it, but the uh, spirit of that one particular quadrain talks about a new law taking over in the Middle East, which I would have to say would be the creation of the state of Israel in 1947. 
and all the changes that have occurred uh, in the Middle East since then. And, uh, you know, uh, this military situation in Syria is very tricky. you got all these different groups in there. You have, you know, Assad and his dad, mainly his dad was known as the world's greatest terrorist for decades. The junior kind of stepped in to take dad's place whenever dad passed away. And, well, there's like 20 different factions over there fighting. Now, Russia is all about having a warm water port for their ships, their Navy ships and their commercial vessels. That's why they took over the Crimea over in Ukraine. And that's why they're in Syria, too, well, to help influence the Middle East. But they have this big port there uh, on the coast in Syria. So they're they're definitely going to be sticking up for Assad over there. But now we have Israel uh, blowing up Russian uh, anti-aircraft sites. The Russians have this system, uh, anti-missile system, uh, or anti-aircraft missile system called the S-300, I believe it is. And recently, uh, the Israel, maybe us, and all of our little friends over there, we blew up one of those uh, uh, anti-missile sites with uh, some cruise missiles that uh, apparently their system didn't catch very well. So Putin's all pissed off. And I'll tell you, you talk about a liar. When I see Putin and his foreign minister on TV, nothing but lies come out of their mouth. Lie, lie, lie. Like these people live in a world of denial of the truth. And anyway, I don't think that Putin wants to have a war with uh, NATO or America or anybody else. But it looks like to me he's out there beating his chest like King Kong, you know, like posturing uh, for himself and his political party and his nation to let the whole world know that Russia is strong. But I think what he fears the most is uh, an overthrow by his own people because uh, that, that that's his weak point. So I don't really think I, – I see maybe us button heads with Russia, you know, here and there. But in the long run, according to Nostradamus, uh, during the war with the Asians – third antichrist here it might happen in the next 20 30 years or less uh europe america and russia will all be allied with one another against uh the war with the asians and you know the most powerful nation over there and who they are but uh <clears throat> i think we need to really be careful about our policy over there in the middle east because it's going to be a real tricky situation and i think maybe israel might be bombing Lebanon or Iran or more things in Syria here in this next year. Does anybody have any comments on that? Well, I've always said that that I felt that that there were going to be countries that changed their borders, that that there were going to be a rearrangement of of borders between people, between countries. And I also strongly feel that, that South Korea is a danger as well, even more so than China. You, you mean North Korea? Yes, North Korea, sorry. Yes. You know, I don't know. I, I thought all that was going to change, but now it just looks like it's all kind of window dressing. But, you know, I've heard that if if North Korea ever really went bonkers, that we could blow that place up in like a day and a half, and it, it would all be over with. You know, I think so – they might kill some people in, in, in uh, South Korea, and hopefully not a whole lot. But, yeah, that little guy is, is a wacko, and he's out of control. But I, I think he's kind of tucked his uh, tucked himself in a little bit tighter in there and not, you know, threatening people so much or whatever. 
But I, I don't know. The, he's, North Korea is kind of a wild card. I think it could go either way. But they, I know they do not have a missile that they can hit the United States with. You know what I'm saying? So they got old Soviet technology, and I think he's a lot more bark than bite. And as far as uh, Islamic terror and, and warfare uh, with jihadists over in the Middle East, I think Europe's going to see more about the same level of terror this next year as they probably saw last year. It seems like the brand of terror we have to deal with here in America is more domestic cuckoo cases and not really mm-hmm. so much Islamic terrorists. But, uh, you know, I think it's crazy how, you know, in the 70s, you never heard about mass shootings. There might have been one a decade or something or in the 80s. But this uh, shooting people, you know, by the dozens is becoming a popular thing. And it's like, well, what the hell's going on here? That's some crazy behavior, but that seems to be kind of the trend uh, that we're that we're seeing these days. Anybody want to jump in on that one? What do you think is behind that? Just general frustration with life? Um, or uh, some of these school shooting, shootings related to um, the possible overmedicating of students? Yeah, or somebody's. Uh, he said something bad about me on Facebook. So where's my gun? I'm gonna go. Well, I'll go show so and so. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> yeah, well the, yeah. There's your. You know, back to uh, you know, te- technology is your friend, not you know, a real person. I might have <laughs> yeah. sis, uh, sis, you know, rewiring of uh, uh, brains. Boy, it looks like to me there's a mass rewiring going on out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like, hey, I'm beyond being hypnotized, but uh, I bet there's millions of people out there. It's like monkey see, monkey do, pretty much directs the the entire activities of their life. Yeah, and Victor, you know, you know the uh, you know the president's withdrawal of troops from Syria's. But then he turns right around and says, well, I might not do that. That's why I call him President Opposite Day. He seems to do the opposite of whatever you think he should. And one day he says one thing, and two weeks later he says the opposite. So he just kind of – you never really know where he's coming from. But but there's – you know, the the, the American troops were there, and, you know, there's – you know, the prophecies about Syria and, you know, some of the Middle Eastern – uh, countries, w- where does this? Uh, okay, where does uh, the third antichrist come from? What, well, okay, uh, here's here's the deal. In the long run, there's going to be an invasion of Europe from North Africa, from jihadist nations in North Africa, hmm. and uh, also from the Middle East. Uh, and it's like you got if you get a globe and look at it, there's not that much distance between North Africa and Europe. Uh, they go, it says, the Arabs will be as far into Germany as the Rhine River. And I have to sit here and go, well, how is it possible the way the world is set up right now for a Muslim army of jihadists to invade Europe? Because we got all these jets, planes, boats, troops, whatever. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that some big, huge event, a big negative event has to happen before something like that could occur. And uh, I'm asking myself, obviously, if you had a nuclear war, 
Uh, that could change something like that. But who's going to invade a territory that's just been nuked? Nobody is. So I'm kind of writing that off. A biological war, uh, that could happen someday, but not – why would you invade some place where people had the plague? That wouldn't make any sense. So uh, I'm wondering – a big volcano happening somewhere. I heard that if uh, that big caldera uh, in uh, Yellowstone National Park went off, that or a couple other simultaneously, it, it could turn the whole atmosphere into sulfuric acid, where rain would turn from water to actually sulfuric acid raining down on the earth, and it would destroy everything. So I'm, I'm shifting, scratching that off my list. Now, Nostradamus yeah, but, does have in his – go ahead. But, Victor, I mean, when we had all of those refugees flowing into all of the European countries and here, that was a that was an invasion. Well, I know you could say that. People said that. That's more of a social invasion. But I'm talking about uh, people with guns in their hands, knives, uh, you know, something bad's happening, and, and the, the public is being looted. You know, and it's like a free-for-all yeah. out in the streets. That's the kind of invasion I'm talking about. But I will say this. Nostradamus mentioned something about the day that the, it seems like the world has lost its natural gravity. And okay. people relay that to He doesn't really explain much about it, but it's a polar shift. You know, right now we have the magnetic poles moving around. We have glaciers melting and this and that. And the Earth is heating up. And at some point down the road, the Earth might make a, a, a quick correction physically on its axis, the tilt of its axis. And if it does, you know, I don't know what, what how exactly uh, that would happen or et cetera, but I picture like, you know, uh, radio antennas, you know, moving down and hitting the Earth, cars being jumped, thrown into the air, kind of like a, a, a cross between an earthquake and a volcano. And there could be something one day that just, really shifts the whole pattern of our reality. Uh, now, a, a small asteroid hitting the Earth and causing a big tsunami, something like that, that could also happen. So I'm just trying to make a list in my mind for the future of what would have to happen before some of these prophecies could take place. But well, I will the asteroid say as far did as, happen. I mean, the asteroid what? happened... That- the asteroid did happen, and that's why the dinosaurs got wiped out so fast. Well, yeah, and uh, every scientist at NASA knows that it's not a matter of if, but one day that will that will happen again. So Nostradamus says kind of the world as we know it will end in 3797 due to asteroids hitting the Earth. But the question uh-huh. is, could, could something the size uh, of a Walmart store, say, smacking us, could that screw up everything for a year around the world or two years or whatever you know we don't know for sure but uh, a global uh polar shift would would be something to add to that list uh maybe as described in that silly movie uh 2020 2012 or whatever that was out a few years ago but anyway yeah. uh so i look at all the bad things that nostradamus predicts and works backwards as far as bad guys go, like I said, I think this guy, Selin, uh future Islamic warlord, will either be from like uh, uh, maybe he's like Tunisia, uh, Libya, somewhere in North Africa, or maybe he could be uh, like from Yemen, somewhere in that area. Uh, but apparently, you know, the Muslim countries all united, that would represent a very large army, you know. 
And uh, they outnumbered the Christians uh, tremendously. They outnumbered just about everybody. So I'm not picking on the Muslims or anything, but I'm just calling a spade a spade by saying at some point, uh, Nostradamus says this warlord Selen will arrive, and uh, he will uh, be involved in a whole lot of, of global combat and will kind of bring on World War III. The good news is it says we do win the war, but I think we'll have to go through a lot of changes uh, before we conquer that guy. Now, there's another terrible catastrophe that Nostradamus mentions in his uh, epistle. It says uh, a big negative event will occur that removes two-thirds of the world's population. Well, that's numerically at 66.6% of the world uh, disappearing. So that kind of goes back to my question, what is the big event that seems to change everything? Now, a big nuclear war could knock out two-thirds of the population. I don't know if a huge plague could do that or if we could work around that. Uh, a big volcano, hey, if it's raining sulfuric acid on, on one continent or two, that could be a game changer. So uh, Nostradamus also mentions the future that there will be a worldwide flood. Now, that's what I see coming up in like the next, I think by 2050, you're going to see a lot more water out there and a lot less ice. And I think that maybe by the by the 2100, uh, all the land mass everywhere could be reduced by a third or possibly more. So I think if people see the sea levels rising, that will motivate, you know, people to, you know, take over the country next door to them that has mountains and not much ocean or beachfront property. Everyone's going to be scrambling for high ground. And I think if this flood does occur, which, you know, you look around, every scientist says, hey, it's getting hotter and sea level's rising. I've been on this issue for about 30 years now. Anyway, if that happens, that's how the world's going to stay for a long time. It's not like it's going to flood and then just suddenly recede. So if we have more population living on less land in the future, uh, that's going to be a bad thing. Would you all agree with that? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> It's it's going to be interesting. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, hopefully uh, one of my guests uh, will, you know, we get him scheduled and, you know, we talk about the, you know, uh, know, water level changes have happened at other times and, you know, I don't know how. How Nostradamus would have been aware of that happening. Well, I mean, he just he's just seeing the future, you know. Whatever goes along with that, I guess if you saw, you know, uh, I don't know exactly how he did. He said the exact secret of how he did it. We know he used alchemy, astrology, uh, other metaphysical methods that were written about in books of magic that don't exist anymore. How he did it, he seemed to be on to something. But he definitely says this flood is going to be happening and it's going to change a lot of stuff and it's really going to throw us back. Now one of Nostradamus' quatrain 187 says volcanic fire from the middle of the earth will cause tremors around the the new city. Two great rocks will war for a long time and Arethusa reddens a new river. Well the volcano, the word volcano doesn't appear anywhere in his writings but the word volcanic does. It just appears one time in quatrain 187 but this has sort of been applied to a general war because of maybe something that happened in New York City like 9-11. But again, volcanic fire from the middle of the earth 
will cause tremors around the new city. I think that's a clear warning for us that earthquakes are going to be occurring. Uh, it will come from, you know, inside the middle of the earth. But I wonder if he put in that word volcanic as a reference to maybe the caldera and Yellowstone. Or there's another one I've heard about called the Long Valley Caldera in the southwest. And the USGS is saying that that looks like it might get active soon, or it's already showing signs of, of activity. So if that thing blew, it would it would squirt ash, you know, over half the nation at least. And I don't know how that would affect commerce and daily life, but it doesn't seem to be good. Something else scary is uh, Homeland Security saying, hey, the terrorists want to knock out our electrical grid. If that happened, they're saying, hey, everybody, you should have six months of water and food take care of yourself if something bad like that happens. Well, you know how shitty and snotty people can be out at, you know, at the mall or, or the strip center or the 7-Eleven or whatever. Well, just think how shitty they're going to be when there's no electricity for six months. That's kind of scary. No Internet. Huh? And no I think, internet. hey, if, that's, if that grid is that easy to knock out, shouldn't that be a national priority to make sure that, that doesn't happen? Well, and EV people's... Um, an EVP pulse could really knock the country out like crazy. Well, yeah, if somebody sent an EMP bomb over here or whatever, yeah, obviously that that, that does the same thing. So, uh, boy, when you start talking about modern warfare, there's so many horrible weapons out there that everyone has. It's kind of scary. But it looks like to me Mother Nature's going to stomp us out probably before we stomp <laughs> out one another. I hate to say it, but the Earth, the Earth did have a natural enemy. It would be us, the humans. Yeah, uh, uh, Victor, what, you know, speaking of these uh, catastrophic events and, and the flood, uh, uh, what about that quatrain with the uh, you know, modern Memphis? Is you know, it's funny you mentioned that because three seconds ago I was thinking in my head, I want to tell you about the – the modern Memphis quatrain. So uh, you're pretty good on the psychic level tonight, Mark. Okay. That's because uh, we're talking about Nostradamus. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, so one quatrain mentions uh, the earth moving around, the earth shaking around the modern Memphis. And it's like you look up the word Memphis. Well, Memphis was the name of the ancient capital of Egypt. Okay, that was thousands of years ago. But the only other city of any importance is Memphis, Tennessee. And it just so happens, just in the middle of what's known as the New Madrid Fault Line. Yes. I and in 1811, yeah, in 1811, they had a huge earthquake there. But there was only like pioneers and trappers and frontiersmen, Daniel Boone types out there at the time. And they reported that the fields, the waves of the fields looked like the waves of the ocean. That's how bad the ground was shaking. Reversed the tide of the Mississippi for like 10 years or more. And I spoke to a, to the USGS, to a spokesperson they had at the time in the early 90s. And, boy, by the time I hung up talking on the phone with him, I had the hair on the back of my head standing up. Long story short, that could go any time. Back in the 90s, he said, well, we think by 2015 or 2017 we expect that to happen. Well, if it does go wacko like it did in 1810 or 1811, uh, it would leave about 25% of our country and looking like uh, Aleppo, Syria, or something, or Berlin at the end of World War II. I mean, the millions of people would die instantly. Millions of people would die probably week following. You know, all the tragedy and infrastructure would be destroyed. So if that happens, 
that could put our country, uh, make us kind of a third-rate nation for maybe uh, two decades or more. It might take them three decades to fix all that if it happened. So as far as earthquakes go in America, that's ding, ding, ding. That's what my number one fear is a new Madrid going. What do you guys know about all that? I know there's there's, there's trouble spots on the West Coast, too. No, that's, the New Madrid line has been something that I've been concerned about for years. Um, really? School well, then you and I are like the poster child <laughs> for the New Madrid going, because I've been on this for years, oh, too, so that's very interesting. School systems all along the New Madrid uh, fault line have three days of uh, water and food for every kid in the in the school. Um, already, already there. The government is really making ready for it to go. Good. I'm so glad to hear that because I thought people were just sitting around doing nothing. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, they need to start doing more. I mean, can you imagine all the fires from all the gas lines? I mean, all the rubble, all the concrete that would fall down on people. You know, in the major oh, yeah. cities. I mean, the that goes time. from like it's Tennessee, Missouri, uh, Illinois, Arkansas. A big chunk of the yeah. south and the Midwest there. It that that um, earthquake rang bells in in uh, in in New York and in Washington. It was yes, I know that, that, that they, could, they could actually feel the earth shaking yeah. uh, in Washington D.C. And you know what they had? Didn't, didn't the uh, uh, one of the big monuments? Uh, had some some uh, some damage on it a few years ago after a small earthquake, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, anyway, yeah. they should look at that as a, as, as a sign. So that domestically, I think that's that's the greatest fear I have. I know the West Coast has some seismic activity, but I think that the New Madrid uh, is the biggest thing we have to worry about here. Yeah, that's the one that's going to go. And I think uh, Iran. I think I, I don't know. I think there's going to be some some more warfare. To kind of summarize things here in the Middle East, maybe stuff we haven't really seen uh, before, maybe kind of continuation of the same kind of stuff. But whatever it is, you know, I wish our allies well. And, uh, hey, it's kind of dumb to mess with Israel, the United States, and NATO. I could say that to any country. It's like, you know, too bad global peace is not a reality. You think that we have the technology and the common sense to make all that happen. But the world seems to be set on a different path. Yeah, uh, yeah, Victor, there's uh, actually a few samples of, uh, you know, where Nostradamus gave us uh, exact year numbers, and there's like a a February. There's only seven actual dates uh, in the quadrains. Okay, and and, but I can't say this. And there are some, I call them the astrological quadrains. There are some quadrains that contain astrological positions. I've had astrologers go through that, two different sets, to make sure they came up with the same stuff. So we do have some years for that mean it's a possibility that certain events could happen at that time. But uh, 1999 was the last date uh, as far as uh, a date of the quadrains that pertains to us. Uh, then after that, year 3797 for the end of the world, kind of as we know it, due to huge asteroid strikes. But then he says the sun uh, burns out in 7,000. So that's the only two dates we have to look forward to that he specifically wrote down. Okay, so, uh, so, yeah, so, so uh, 1999 is the 
you know, yeah, last which is the reverse code for nine one 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 nine eleven. Yeah, there was four quad trains that 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 pretty much strongly suggested that. On my website, nineteen ninety six, I put, hey, at the turn of, around the turn of the century, you know, it's change of the millennium, some type of event, aerial event's going to happen in New York City, uh, having to do with uh, jets or missiles is the word I used. Uh, and Muslims are involved in it somehow. Then another one, the sky's going to burn in the new city, 45 degrees, blah, blah, blah. And look, look, look at all four of these quatrains. You put them all together they, in a collage. They make a little story about 9-11. And oh, yeah. uh, that's what made me a, a famous author overnight, my predictions about that. I had like millions, three or four million hits on my website in a matter of two days. And I woke up on 9-12 with over 10,000 emails in my inbox. It was like, wow, ding, 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 ding. I hit the jackpot here. Nostradamus hit the bullseye one more time. So is Mabus one of Okay, here's the deal. John Hogue came up, you know, there's 943 quatrains. I don't know how he came up with the idea that this Mabus was the Antichrist. Now, if you write the word Mabus backwards and hold it in front of a mirror, it'll say phonetically the word Saddam, which is interesting. But there's, here's an example of one author's idea of who the Antichrist will be. And in my, I know John Ho, he's an okay guy, but I have to disagree with him on that. Hey, Hister, the Hister Quatrains, there's five of them. Uh, this Solen character, there's like seven Quatrains. Numerically, Solen's a lot more important than Mabus. So I'm saying, if you think that Mabus is the name for the third Antichrist, it's not. It might be a precursor to the Antichrist, but scratch that off and take my word when I tell you uh, the, the Solan Quatrains is the reference to Nostradamus' third Antichrist. And I'll tell you, his epistle is kind of the, here's the most important things you need to know about the future. He doesn't say that up front, but that's what the epistle ends up being. And that's where he mentions the word Solan. Uh, in addition to uh, the seven references at the quatrains. So uh, trust me when I tell you, Solin is a bad guy. Forget Mabus. Mabus is the past. Wow. And we've heard uh, a lot of stories about uh, these floods and catastrophic events. as we kind of start wrapping up with about, what, 10 minutes or so left, uh, is, is there some optimism <laughs> to look for in uh, this, uh, this well, year? Well, put it this way, they, is, there, is there optimism, hope that all could change? You know, theoretically, I guess if everybody got on the same boat together, and you could somehow, you know, I ask myself, are these all written in stone? Is this absolutely going to happen? Or could maybe through the use of free will, maybe we we can't make these things go away, but maybe Solin could be beaten in six months instead of 20 years if we got it together. Or maybe these events could be not avoided, but maybe greatly minimized. You know what I'm saying? I believe that he says, I predicted this, and I guarantee you this is what's going to happen. That's kind of how Nostradamus words it. So we got to remember all this stuff. We don't know the exact timing of it. We can kind of look around and, you know, see which way the wind is blowing and kind of figure out maybe what's going to happen next or not too far into the future. 
But unfortunately, all this is not going to happen all in our lifetime. This is stretched out over a course of years. So there's always hope. Uh, I'm an optimist, although I'm slowly becoming a pessimist and a little bit more grumpy as time goes on. But anyway, of course, there's always hope. And even the Holocaust survivors will tell you, hey, hope is what kept us alive. You know, So sure, there is hope in this and that. But we have to separate the events of nature that we really we might be able to affect some of them, but other ones we have no control over. So in that regard, I don't know about you, I've been in an earthquake in Mexico, and I felt like I realized I don't have any power here. I'm just a passenger. I'm like a flea grabbing on to the end of a dog's tail as a dog is running as fast as it can through the woods. That's pretty much the state that we're all in. We're all on a roller coaster ride, and we don't really know exactly where the roller coaster is going, although we're curious to find out where it is going and how the ride will end up at the end. But it's all a big question mark for us to figure out. Okay. Uh, Victor, do you have any uh, upcoming appearances or new uh, I'll tell you what. I've I've been busy doing other projects this last year, and I kind of let my website – uh, through neglect, I've kind of let it decay. <laughs> but right now, uh, I'm working with the guy. We're going to redesign it. We're going to be making some improvements. I'm going to get back on the, the Nostradamus train here. Hopefully, there'll be some new filmmakers that will want to do something. I kind of have a carte blanche uh, uh, line, input line into the History Channel that I haven't really utilized lately. But I'm coming up with some ideas for some more shows to see if they might, they or somebody else might be interested in doing them. Uh, there's certainly a lot of material. I mean, I could do show after show after show if I had a, if I was a filmmaker. But anyway, I'm sure that might happen at its own rate. I would like to go on a speaking tour someday, which I've never done before. So I'm all open to, uh, you know, interesting business uh, opportunities or just, you know, I enjoy talking to people and, and hearing ideas and sharing ideas. That's what the Nostradamus Society is all about. So... As you said, it's www.nostradamususa.com, and I hope people will visit my website in the future. And uh, like I say, it's in a state of repair right now, but once it's up and going, uh, people can fill out forums and join the society, and I'll be sending out newsletters to them. So what do you all think about 2019? It's going to be a weird, crazy year. You're saying don't drink a glass of wine before you start thinking about it. Drink a half a bottle of tequila or some Jack Daniels. Yeah, that's that's actually about it. I I I don't think I have ever written anything that scared me more than the the Well, hey, wait till 2020 comes year. around. Oh, geez, I you know, um it it's it's really um I've gone back over the past couple of years, and the only thing that hasn't happened, and this is the only year I have not said the new Madrid line was going off, and, okay. and so this will be the, That's interesting will you be and the I year are the that same. it goes. That's interesting that we are both uh, parallel in thought about that. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I, I mean, and here's the deal. If that happens and 20% of the country is just uh, destroyed, I mean, uh, that could that could ruin our positioning around the planet. You know, like in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or here and there, you have to ask yourself what nations will come to our rescue if we need some help. Yeah, I mean, that could just be a huge mess. And let me tell you, Nostradamus also predicts like the, the mother of all earthquakes to occur in Asia one day. And uh, that could probably be in China or it could be in that area over in Indonesia. You know what happened like five or six years ago over there? They had another tsunami uh, from an earthquake uh, underneath the sea. 
uh, related to a volcano occurred there just a couple of weeks ago. So Mother Earth could be one of the meanest ladies that there ever was. So we want to treat her with respect every time we can. But obviously we have no control there, and that's why they call them acts of God. Yeah. Yeah. So we got four minutes left. What do you think about it all, Mark? Um, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we. Um, I, I, I think in one of the early passages, uh, he was talking about something that seems to foreshadow the New World Order. Uh, that's pretty scary, and, uh, and I think our next guest is going to probably uh, one monarch in Quatrain Four. Our next guest is uh, probably talk about some of the uh, 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 elite mentality that has brought about a lot of uh, negative influence on people. Boy, watch out time. for those elitists. They're 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 kind of yeah. cold and callous at times. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, you know something that he was accurate uh, about, and it it just uh, really hasn't gotten. Uh, it's gotten worse. Uh, and you know, did he make any predictions about uh, uh, UFOs? You know, I've I've always been interested in UFOs. I looked at his material. There's one quadrain that mentions strange ships, and uh, he's probably not referring to galleys or you know steamships or modern day ships. I think it's probably an allusion to UFOs. Another quatrain mentions rare birds. I don't know if he's talking about, you know, flying finches or airplanes, but rare birds may be, you know, a reference. You know, he mentions like flying vehicles somewhere else. I think rare birds is perhaps another symbolic reference to UFOs. So there's not really a whole lot uh, about that uh, in his quatrains, but uh, I wish there was more. Because, you know, with the advent of these smartphones, there's so much video footage of UFOs out there, it's ridiculous. And uh, I definitely think that this is just kind of a, this our blue planet is a nice, attractive hub to uh, intergalactic travelers. No doubt about it. I saw a little probe, a little white orb about 10 years ago out in the country on a bike ride one night. It's kind of hovering above the ground. I looked at it. It lifted up hovered for about 10 seconds, and when it took off, I mean, it traveled so fast. Uh, It was not an airplane, not a helicopter, not a weather balloon. It was something from somewhere else. So when it comes to that stuff, I'm a believer. I think there's more stuff going on out there than any of us know. Okay, looks like we're done here, guys. I've enjoyed this. I hope people visit my website. Let's do this again in the future. Yeah, good. Uh, uh, let's keep yeah, let's keep talking, and uh, you know, you know, you're welcome to come back any time and uh, keep keep us updated if you feel sure something is. Uh, I um, hear you. I yeah, hear you. you. We'll see how this year prophesy. progresses, and we'll stay in touch. That, that's fine Sounds with me, good. and uh, you know, I'm. Oh, and good luck I'm to everybody out there. By the way, <laughs> everybody listening to this. Make it a good 2019. And, and yeah. you know, yeah, we just hope that our uh, our, our audience isn't uh, part of the 
two thirds of the planet that is uh, absolutely <laughs> uh, flooded out. That's you not know, for we, this year. That's just at some point in the future, unknown to me. But I had to throw that out there. Okay. Well, it, thank you uh, so much, Victor. It was a great hour, and if you want to uh, ha- hang up, we can bring our other guest. She's okay. on the phone, and uh, we, we will be in touch. Okay, I'm in touch, so you be in touch. Okay, everybody, have a great one. I'm out of here. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. (laughs) All right. What did you think, Barbara? Um, I thought it was fascinating. And and finally, someone that agrees with me that the new matter line is going off. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I. And, and I did not put that in my prediction for this year, so so that me, makes me think that this is going to be the year. Yeah, and, and that is uh, really uh, like mind blowing that the like Mississippi River is flowing the opposite way for yeah, like if, a decade. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure it was a decade, but I know it did flow backwards. I didn't. I just mm-hmm. don't know for how long. Yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I would, that, that would be something. It, it, it would take a, a really long time to mentally process seeing something like, uh, like that, and yeah, uh, you know, I was saying uh, a little earlier, uh, if I get one of our guests on and talk about how people. Uh, reacted during the archaic period with um, uh, the rising sea levels and uh-huh. uh, uh, the uh, poverty points uh, be- becoming uh, uh, the uh, a, a river moving from uh, close by to poverty point to farther away that it, it, it no longer was used as a, a trading. Ceremonial center. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's just really interesting to see how people respond to natural disasters, and you, know, you still have people uh, who are very passionate about talking about uh, their experiences with Hurricane Katrina. Oh, sure. Well, so, I think everybody and, who lives in that area, I think it, it behooves you to be educated about the new Madrid fault line because it is definitely mm-hmm. becoming more active. It's, it's, it's a fascinating subject, and um, hopefully nothing happens, but, um, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we can't really predict asteroids or, you know, when these volcanoes are going to go off. So, you know, we just have That's to de- deal with it as events happen. But I think we have our other guests. Yeah, we do have our other guests. Solaris is here. I'm looking forward to talking to her, too. Yeah. So, uh, Do you want me to do the um, intro? or? Yeah, do she... the intro. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, yeah, we have a long-time friend and collab- collaborator, Solaris Blue Raven, uh, joining us for the second hour of the first show of the new year. Um, she's kept everyone informed about the latest in sci-fi and uh, 
other intriguing topics uh, over the weekends for years, you know, with their Friday night show, Hyperspace, on KCOR, and The Witching Hour on Revolution Radio, and she's frequently an in-demand guest on many other shows and the author of One Million Miles Till Midnight. So welcome, Solaris. How are you? Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mark. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, hi. I'm glad you had a chance to uh, hear uh, Dur for for a few minutes. Uh, Yeah, it was a great show. I was listening. Excellent show. Yeah. uh, That's a neat neat subject. It's uh, frequently Mm -hmm. overlooked, but I enjoy... Um, you know, talking with Victor, you know, kind of like you know, for first of the year, it's uh, always a, a lot of fun, and you know, you, um, I think are are also a visionary futurist down what you know, in, in in your writings as well. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, spent a little bit of time talking about uh, your your book before. You and Barbara do more of your looks at the upcoming year, but uh, yeah, and uh, one million miles to midnight. You know, that's uh, actually in yeah. There, there are passages that uh, seem uh, pretty autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, know, you have a lots of hope for humanity. Um, you know, have you know the one that um so, you know I try to awaken those who who were uh sleeping but with no success yeah that right. uh, that could you, you be know autobiographical but i I think you right. have a, a lot more success than the that character well, it's kind of a spinoff of the technological interface I went through, and, and it's a it's kind of like a precursor to the future if we don't get a grip on technology. So that's what we're we can kind of look at insofar as the window to the world. We're talking about the future, but in my opinion, uh, I see technology to such a degree that people will be interfaced with the artificial intelligence array system to a level where they'll be entrained, and this can go into a weaponization or it can go into the level of consciousness, and we're all getting more evolved and more ascended. And and I think that. Well, you you all would probably agree that that's probably not their agenda. Theirs, theirs is about weaponization of the brain and, and control and manipulation. I'm not trying to sound like Dr. Doom on this because I know y'all are talking about, you know, the new year and good things happening, but that's what I see just because of my own inter- interface with technology, you know, and that's how I've been able to troubleshoot the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I think your, your book, A Million Miles Till Midnight, is a good book. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. However, the best book you've ever written <laughs> is transmutation through ascension soul of the sun. I mean, this is a textbook for anybody who's looking towards understanding ascension and evolution and all of that stuff. It is the best book out there. I have stolen stuff from it so blatantly. You have my permission. Oh, I do. I want to thank you. I I know you mentioned this often. I just thank you so much because that was my first book I ever written. And I seemed like I was targeted after that, so I want to thank you. That means a lot to me, and you know that. So, um, and I agree with you. I, I love that book. It's very close to my heart and spirit. Yeah. It, it, it's just spectacular. And, and, and seriously, for anybody who is, 
you know, wants to know how to work on themselves, how to start working towards making this connection with the soul within. That's the book to get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, and I don't get a and I don't get a kickback. You don't, but you get good, good energies and good vibes and all that other stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great material. The checks in the mail, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I I will swear on that book for for decades yet to come. I, anybody like says that's a high honor for me because you know I have a lot of respect for you and I know you're the real deal. So to me, that's that's huge. That's a great honor. So thank you. I anybody who asks the question, well, okay, so how do I do it? Get this book, read it, and practice. <laughs> you know, it, it's up to you totally. It's not something that can be done for you. But let's let's kind of focus on the new year. What what is it that you feel may be coming? Gosh, I just I just feel well. We've had so so much rifting going on insofar as politics and polarization, and you know, everybody's been riding that wave. I've been trying to navigate on a higher level and a higher higher design of the wave itself. But to me, it seems like more than a disclosure happening. I feel like everything is bleeding through on so many different dimensional fields that we have no choice but to see what's really here. And I think that's going to take on the form of new technologies, um, that which is hidden being revealed to us, even the UFO stuff. I mean, they talk about UFO disclosure, but I think we're going to have an – I actually feel like we're going to have a first contact. Uh, so I'm, going to, I'm just going to throw that at you all. I, I mean, I know it sounds really out there, but I feel like there's something really big around the corner connected to artificial intelligence beyond artificial intelligence, which really is about extraterrestrials. So I see that coming in within the next few years. I would say around, you know, I'd like to look into 2019 into 2022, but that whole window right now, I think it's here now. If they show it to us now, that'd be fabulous. But that's what I see mainly besides the rifting and the crazy stuff, but that's a distraction. You know, the stuff that's happening with the governments right now and all this craziness with control and manipulation, to me, that's the sideshow, that there's something else bigger we have to look up. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, No, Mm -hmm. I agree. I I think that that a lot of what we're seeing going on here is is to distract us from the fact that that we aren't being told the truth anywhere. So much is being thrown at us. Most people are saying, I just don't know what to believe anymore. And the reality Mm -hmm. is don't believe any of it because none of it's true. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. We go with the higher self, so super conscious as we always do. Yeah. Go, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think that's why so many people have turned away from uh, the mainstream media and uh, listened to Solaris. And, you know, we got uh, one exclusive tonight. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will start a (laughs) new new track record for us. But, uh, you know, I just, I I have to agree with what both of you said that they're. You know, how, how can you believe what a, a lot of that's uh, it, being said by you know, your uh, established journalists? You can't. Well, it, that's the thing that Barbara it, was touching on too. It's all the it, obfuscation. Well, it's, it's not even just the news. It's it's our system of government. It's the major religions. It's everything is being called to question. And I think appropriately so. And mm-hmm. and you know now now people are looking for where do I get the truth, and that's a tough one, because um, basically it's like you said, go within, trust yourself, trust your own the spirit within, and then you mm-hmm. can't go wrong. <clears throat> but right. but so many, so many people aren't at that point yet. 
So so they just kind of go in circles. And, you know, you, they stick with what they know because, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. But that's not true. And mm-hmm. and, and so so it's a matter of, okay, so how do we educate the population? How do we get out there and give the population material to work with? You know, mm-hmm. it's tough. Exactly. I agree. And then they have to deprogram, too. They have to literally do some shadowing and check their own behavior to see how much propaganda they have stored in their, their memory banks because a lot of it is false information. They, they've grown up in a socially engineered environment. So they're going through decades and decades of information that's not true, and all of a sudden you have this eureka moment where you wake up and you realize that all of it's a lie. That's the most disturbing part. You know, when you realize that all of this is, is propaganda and you're just like, wow, you know, you throw your hands up and you kind of yeah. step away from it. So I, I see it too, and I feel sorry for the people that have, are catching up late because to me it's almost it's not necessarily too little too late, but I do feel sorry for them because they are going to have to get on the, fra- the fast track quickly because this is not something you can sit on. Well, yeah, I, I know at one point Patrick said that he sat down and he wrote down everything that he had been taught, and then he started to check it all out. And he said none of it was true. <clears throat> and when you look at our history books, when you look at um, what, what we are teaching the children now, we are dumbing down our children with the mm-hmm. education system. And it's yep. frightening. Yeah, it's really sad. Well, and of course, they're getting into the digital age now where everything is on a computer. We've talked about the, you know, the pros and the cons of technology. But my sense is that if we go in the direction of the agenda that they want, it's going to be social engineering and brainwave entrainment through the interface. And that's why I'm trying to put the brakes on that because that's against our universal celestial design work and who we are as multidimensional beings. And it doesn't, go, it doesn't coincide with our ascension codes, in other words, our state of consciousness, because they want to control, manipulate, and shut down that psyche. And we can't have that. So that is something I, I feel like we're going to have to address this time. So, um, you know, that's like Atlantis 101 rising again with technology. Mm-hmm. Well, they're taking creativity out of school. Mm-hmm. They're taking, they're taking um, the use of your intuition or inspiration out of, out of the classroom. They are basically having kids memorize stuff by rote and kick them back at it. They're not teaching our kids to think at all. Mm-hmm. And exactly. and it's frightening. I have I have grandchildren. It scares the heck out of me. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure but it would. I, it, it, and you know, I was, I was you know when I was teaching, it, you know, the everyone needs to you know learn how to uh, use all these computers and you know, all these other high tech gadgets. But it, you know. The, we really weren't. There was like so, so much emphasis on teaching, like how to use the computer. The the students really weren't being taught how to uh, critically think, like Barbara said, you know, like to put information into the computer. So it's just you, you yeah. don't have uh, you don't have the intelligence right. to uh, introduce something thought-provoking to put into the computer. It's just all, you know, just like, you know, whatever you were told to say to put into the computer and, you know, mm-hmm. you know download it and print it out or something. It, it, it's it, it's like, you know, with all, all this money spent on computers, it, it, it's really not worth the investment for what is being you know, a few clumsily written sentences that is basically... Uh, you know, uh, 
biography, uh, really condensed biography of what a uh, student found from a Wikipedia on Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, it's just data entry, basically, is what you're describing. You know, not yeah, right. thinking, not consciousness, not spirit. Yeah, in the old days, you could write poetry. I, I don't know. I'm sure you all have written poetry. I know I used to write poetry when I was younger. And it's just about streaming energy through consciousness. I mean, you're literally just oh, writing yeah. energy coming from the voice of the soul. And, and I think that's what Barbara was touching on, that they don't seem to be grasping that anymore, that somehow that no. light is getting snuffed out. I, I found a great quote the other day. It's by a famous man. It's intuition is the father of new knowledge. Intuition, not in the intellect, is the open sesame of yourself. Mm, very nice. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. Oh, love it. Yeah, that's great. So true. Yeah, without, without consciousness, without your spiritual evolution and, and your uh, gnosis, well, what's left? I mean, you could be analytical, yeah, but you have to have that, that gnosis, that intuition, that psychic radar, in my opinion, anyways. Well, yeah, and it's it's sort of like to me, creativity is the fuel of your soul. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you're if you're not using it, if you're not paying attention to the signals that the spirit gives you through through coincidences and stuff like that, then then you aren't allowing yourself to embrace what the spirit within has to share. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're. I think we're coming to a time where it's it's got to be something that is taught again. It you know back generations ago it was it was listen yep. to your listen to your feelings, feel the earth energy, feel the pulse of the of the earth mother, feel the trees, listen to the trees. They'll speak to you. I mean, this is all stuff that the Native Americans did. Yeah, and, and, and also music. <clears throat> Music's the voice of soul as well. And, and in my opinion, music is, well, nowadays, music isn't music anymore. It's just terrible. But the old days when <laughs> yeah. we had real music and frequency and consciousness, I mean, that is a real DNA opener. So that's something to look at today. Look at how the music industry has changed. It's not well, the yeah, same but anymore. You, just for- but you know, there, there's a lot of this solfigio music out there. And that puts your brain right in alpha theta. So, right. and, and that's out there now more than it ever has been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. But unfortunately, it's also being used um, in the casinos. They have a tonal. They have a tone that that they play constantly. Um, it, it's it's very low. You you have to really listen to hear it. But it what it does is it it takes your brain to a level where you're easily programmed, and mm-hmm. you can yeah, sit in front of. Oh, it's it was awful. I. My sis, my sister and I went to a couple of the casinos because I'd never been to one, and mm-hmm. and I kept saying, "Do you hear that noise? Do you hear that? Um, do you hear that mm-hmm. sound?" And she said, "No, I don't hear it. I think it's so loud. How can you not hear it?" And and it was just it was constant, and it wow. just it made zombies of the people. I believe that. Yeah. Well, I work surveillance in the casino, but I we were in a room where we didn't have to hear the noise. But yeah, I, I do believe that. they do all kinds of stuff to um, entice the people. Say. Isn't it isn't it phenomenal? There's so much technology to control and to um, hold back consciousness. <laughs> it seems to me yeah. that that there has to be an equal amount of of um, of scientific research done that that enhances, you know. But it's it's not it's not shared. Yeah, it's like psychological warfare. Everything here is psychology. 
it break down to the colors and, and numbers and everything else. Well, we know how to read through, read it through consciousness and our spiritual paths, but they use it for nefarious purposes sometimes. And yeah, it's very, very interesting how that plays out. But yeah, if we could turn it all to the positives, we would live in a really interesting utopia. We would. But what would the politicians I would like that. do? I, prefer, I, I would actually prefer living in a really peaceful, enlightened, descended in consciousness environment with everybody coexisting. I, I guess that's just one of those little pipe dreams, but that's what I like. You know, that whole concept of living in peace and just ascending in intellect and spirituality. It's not really that complex, I guess, but maybe it is. Who knows? Well, you know, I think if, if everybody was at the same place, there wouldn't be any challenge to go any further. And so, mm-hmm. so maybe putting you know, us in, in, in the mix of everybody else is a challenge to us to go even further and deeper and, and more broadly. I mean, there was 10 years ago, I never would have thought about cosmic consciousness. I never would have thought about interdimensional um, connections. I never would have thought about, you know, what was out there. It was, it was basically, you know, the here and the now and the physical. And now the physical is just, you know, it's a vehicle, but that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, you know, the rest of us is, is capable of going anywhere, but we, we, we anchor ourselves to the physical to the point that our consciousness is caught there too. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And that has a lot to do with the drama bubbles, in my opinion, that they have where there's polarization. But, you know, it is interesting when I look back even past 15 years myself, I mean, I was on the path of ascension and doing the work, but things have become, it's just like fast forward. I was on the fast track too. And it is very interesting that we um, we have grown a lot and evolved a lot. We are awakening and accessing who we really are. And I think that's that's very, very interesting. And the one thing I'd like to see is, and I've said this before, but to me it's always felt like this world is in the wrong space-time configuration. And I've always felt this way after the induction I've been through. It's just, to me, we're not in the right location on the map in the cosmos. Things are not correct. The frequencies are off. Everything needs to be remodulated. And I don't know how you feel, but that's where I've been. Um, and I've been kind of disturbed by this for a very long time. I don't know if you feel that or, or where you're at, but that's that's what I've been picking up on. Well, I, you know, it's more of a feeling of, you know, we're not where we belong. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I like to think, sometimes I think of the Earth as a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've gone off course as, right. as, as a planet, as a species. And it's a matter of, we're kind of in a limbo, and, and it, I, it feels to me as though, we, you know, humanity as a whole is in a limbo, and people just are, are, are so blind to the fact that there's no growth that they're content with being mundane as opposed to, you know, as opposed to enlightened. And, it, you know, you look around sometimes and you see, People doing things, life is, is rote. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be an adventure. It's supposed to be fun. And, you know, people just are surviving today more than anything else. They're not growing, and that's scary for me. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. And that's why it's important to have spiritual role models to some degree or, or beings, I don't want to be arrogant, but beings like us who are out there actually showing the path to some degree or showing another level of consciousness that they need to be aware of because it's uh, these are turbulent times we're in and people need to be understanding that we are um, off course. That's exactly what it is. And I, I mean, I'm really just like resetting everything to me, the stars, the stars in the cosmos, that's my guide. You know, that's my 
celestial compass, and I, I just have to keep navigating. But I, I feel like everybody needs to take it a step up to the galactic neighborhood, as we've probably touched on before. And in order to do this, it's going to take a, a shakedown insofar as shadowing their behavior and then moving to the next level through their own psyche and consciousness. And it's the deprogramming, but we are in a rifting stage. To me, it's a rifting. So um, uh-huh. everything's kind of fragmenting off, but then again, we're holographic. So we're always intact, even when we think we're not, on a, on a cosmic scale. Well, if you go right down to the basics, we're pure energy. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. That feels right to me. Barbara, you know, and, um, you know, we've, you know, we have um, Maria Wheatley coming up, and you know, Solaris knows her uh, as well. But you know, mm-hmm. she, you know, she she uh, can talk about, um, you know, just say Stonehenge was, uh, you know, designed to maximize, you know, the archaeoacoustics and. Um, uh, you, know, it, it, you know that whole complex, as well as uh, several other ones that she can talk about. You know, were um, basically hospitals, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Solaris gave us uh, you know the examples of you know from, from the casinos. Uh, it, it's fine when. Everyone, those who are there to lose money are exposed to uh, the sound waves. But, uh, uh, she, you know, she, she was, uh, she and her colleagues were kept in a room where they weren't exposed to it. Uh, okay, so, you know, it, 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 it does show, you know, some kind of de evolution of thought where it's only about uh, e- easy way to get money. From people is manipulating others. It was um, just an interesting contrast with guests we all are, you know, having on our shows, and and just look at that that that's how at least uh, harmonies have been used at one point, and they've been. Uh, used now for nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm, right. Now, that makes a lot of sense. As she was saying, the sacred sites were used as healing centers to some degree. You said hospitals, but, but yeah, in, in a sense that it changes the DNA and it restructures and helps and assists in mm-hmm. facilitating a healing effect. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we knew this through our own state of consciousness. We're always able to heal through frequency and consciousness, and, and that's the whole mechanics of who we really are. And I think that's where people have lost themselves. You know, they've delegated their power to the pharmaceuticals, to hospitals, of today, you know, the Western medicine, and, you know, it's good for an emergency, but honestly, we have the capabilities to do far more than that through our own psyche and energy systems. Well, not only that, but we're supposed to live longer, too, and, and I think mm-hmm. that, um, Frank, in my opinion, the government is very happy to see the older generation pass away. <clears throat> Excuse me, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not happy with that because that's where, that's where our greatest wisdoms are. I agree. I totally agree with you. And you know what's really strange, Barbara? I know we've never had this show before, but I had the strangest feeling of deja vu, like when you were talking. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> and it's, it's like we've had this conversation before. And, and I, I'm sure we've touched on certain things, but do you know when you get that really strong deja vu? I mean, it's yeah. like, wow, we've done this before in another configuration. 
it was very interesting, but I agree with you. And I, that's why I say the ancient ones are the record keepers or the elderly. You know, it's very important that we don't just cast people out because they're getting older and they lose their space and time. Uh, the knowledge base alone, you know, then you talk about transhumanism and a lot of other things, but, you know, dumping your psyche or your, your state of being, your brain template into to a machine isn't really the answer. Well, no. uh, Barbara, there's, you know, uh, you don't think that's deliberate is, you know, to get get rid of the, you know, older people who have the wisdom and just get, get rid of them, just like the George Guidestones and, you know, work, you know just get rid of the, those who are a threat, you know, the older yeah. people who can uh, be more of, uh, ha- have more of a positive influence on the next uh, generation. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. well, you know, so more and more I feel that because I'm old. Er, I mean, I'm going to be 75 this year. You know, that you puts sound me in the old. old. Fabulous, darling. You look wonderful. Mm. <laughs> you look beautiful. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's a suit. My, and or- you know that. my aura looks a lot better than the physical. Trust me. But, oh, but you're so no, it's you know, but but. You know, the older we get, the more we begin to realize that that we're not, we are not, this generation is not passing down the wisdom that we have gathered to the next generation. It's been stopped, you know, decades ago, hundreds of years ago, the elders were respected and they taught the younger. Now, this, 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 in this time frame, that is not the case. You know, the, yep. the, the children are, are, are being programmed by their parents. And, you know, while, while there is respect for grandparents and stuff like that, there is not the time made available so that the grandparents can really share um, <clears throat> things like, like history. Um, I learned the history of my family and, my, and the generations before me from being bored to death at the dinner table on Sundays. I don't... Mm-hmm have dinner with my grandchildren every Sunday. I can't share with them the richness of the history um, and, and, you know, forget the spiritual stuff. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's frightening to think that, that society has really put a wedge between the older and the younger. And it's, it's like, you know, you take your, you know, they all have cell phones. They're all on the internet, and all, and and it's not that I think that's bad. It's just that they're not learning how to think anymore. They're not learning how to be creative anymore. They're not learning how to tap into that spirit within. They are taught mm-hmm. a religion by rote. They are not yep, taught a spirituality. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, removing the elders, the presence of the elder, the knowledge of the elders is removing history, is erasing history, so they can start mm-hmm. fresh with a new programming for the young. Yeah, that makes that makes sense on their end as far as why they would do it, but it's not appropriate. But there's one thing that is interesting, even with the removal of the elders or the, or the grandparents, the books are there. Uh, if you write books, if you have a historical benchmark, if the books remain, if they survive, then they have an access to information. Another thing that comes to mind is also cellular memory. I don't know about you, but I didn't know my grandparents, but I, I knew that they were very powerful. Psychic one was uh, my grandmother was an Eastern star, and my grandfather was high-ranking Mason. And I can tell you that I've inherited memories and information from them that I, I shouldn't know. 
through cellular uh-huh. memory and even, even through their spiritual practices. So I can tell you that I believe we inherit the DNA at the DNA celestial cellular level. We inherit information and we can access it on levels of consciousness, but that's, that's a lot of work and it's not something everybody can do just because they have ancestors. So, well, yeah, but, but yeah, that's what they're saying. But you've got to be taught to be able Correct. to touch into that DNA and that spiritual link within. And that's what yes. the older people can teach and the younger mm-hmm. people aren't allowed. Yep. I mean, yes, you're, you're right. It, it is in the DNA. Absolutely. Every past lifetime is there and the richness that each of them carried. But how do you access that if you are denied the spirituality in order to make that connection? Mm-hmm. Excellent point. I agree. And that's what's going on today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all right, so we pass it down in the genes, and okay, maybe 30 or 40 generations from now, somebody will get an idea as to, hey, let's get spiritual and see what we have inside. I mean, it, it, it right. boggles my mind because yeah, there's nothing so new much. Nothing new they say. Yeah, of Go course ahead. not. But, but <laughs> that's it's, what it is. It's, it's reliving you know, again. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's a new age, again, and, you know, every mm-hmm. new age is old as time. I mean, there is no such thing mm-hmm. as a new age. Um, exactly. Because, you know, but, but it, it, it just, it, it, it worries me that we are at a time frame where our technology is getting so far ahead of our spirituality, and it's supposed to be balanced, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no balance at all, and I, could, I can attest for that because when I was interfaced with that technology, there was nothing, no respect for spirit, soul, consciousness, uh, multidimensional states of consciousness, who you really are behind, beyond it all. Uh, there was none of that. There was just about programs and interface and, and dictation, basically. So, yeah, there's no respect when it comes to their version of technology and what they want to accompany with it, unfortunately. It's I mean, sad. Let's, expose them, let's expose them all to the Emerald Tablets. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a great textbook in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Um, traditional religion wouldn't think so but 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 it, i love it, the emerald you know, tablet yeah i do too i do too it's great material and mm-hmm. and um it it does it does give you another another spectrum to look through and and it's important to to experience to learn to discover to feel what fits with you and what doesn't fit with you to be given the the um opportunity to make choices for yourself on a spiritual level as opposed to being told what you were to believe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Honoring free will, once again. Yeah. Instead of indoctrination. I mean, you know, I mean, there has to be some control. I mean, not everybody can be, you know, Superman and a cowboy. But, but you know, I, I think that one of the most important things that, that I'm seeing here, especially with my grandchildren, they're being exposed to a lot of things, but they're not being asked what it is they'd like to do or, or what they'd like to study or what they'd like to become a greater part of. Fine, sample all the other stuff, but at some point in time, they have to have desires. And, and we come in pre-programmed with strengths in certain areas that if, we were, if they had been encouraged by parents, we, we would probably have a richer, more successful, more more joyful life because we, we were building on our strengths from past lifetimes. Mm-hmm. But that, exactly. that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 you know, you, you uh, basically have a you know, small museum at your house. Uh, um, you know, ha- have you in, 
grandchildren to uh, you know the uh, you know what, what you know the captain's journals that came king you know, kingdom of ice uh, oh you were talking to me um mm-hmm. i see my i see my grandchildren for 4 days once a year oh and wow. i have to i have i go visit them they don't come visit me oh okay that's, oh, that's a shame. Uh, With your knowledge base, that's too bad. Yeah, but, yeah, the and yeah, there's, uh, you know, you know, you know what you know, you've spoken about. You know, with the uh, journals. Yeah, you know, that yeah, you know, that would be you know just a great connection, you know, not only to you, but you know, going back uh, a, a couple more uh, generations and. You know, or, you know, interesting story that you know has been written about uh, the uh, 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 Captain uh, DeLong was um, Arctic Explorer memorialized yeah. in Annapolis. You know, so, uh-huh. you know that's uh, just great. You know, just great ways of uh, it, it is uh, you know the uh, like cellular uh, memory that Solaris has spoken about, but it's also you know just uh, uh, tactile things that they can actually hold and um, well, you know, ho- hopefully yes, they'll take an interest in it. It's it's yes, you're right, except. You know, you would assume that the the parent would do that, but the parent never learned it. So, you know, there, there's a blank slate there. Mm-hmm. And yep. um you know, you know, it's it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, sure, I would love to get my hands on them. I'm waiting, you know, they're getting into be, being teenagers and I figure once they get to be a teenager, um I'll have more input hopefully. So, uh we'll see. Uh, it's it's just I think personally that most spiritual people um, are isolate. That that you know while they do mix and mingle and stuff like that, but there is a there is a sense of isolation to them, so that they can work, grow, um, expand, ascend, um, and and. It's just, I don't know about you, Solaris, but while I have lots of people I know and we do radio shows and stuff, I would say I was kind of isolate. Um, mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I am. My, most of my interaction is <laughs> on the Internet. Yeah, absolutely. I have yeah. a very small circle of friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that, so that mm-hmm. it's a matter of, okay, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe the reason is it's a, it's a time to write. It's a time to put information out there. It's a time to, I mean, I've got a big website that there's a bunch of stuff on. Um, so that, so that you know, it's like, okay, so that maybe you're isolate so you can become a teacher. And in many ways, I think you do with your radio shows, with your books. I think that mm-hmm. uh, you, you get your philosophies out there and, and certainly um, – you know, uh, the spiritual philosophy is not something that it's something everybody should be interested in, but it's not necessarily something everybody is is ready for. Right, exactly. But what I do know is just recently, and you probably can relate to this, but I've noticed that even the clients I've had recently for Timeline Astrology or Oracle or whatever, 
it seems to me like they're really seeking for something that's like the grail. It's like they need to know who they are. Uh, they need to know a level mm-hmm. of themselves that they've never been introduced to. And I think that's what I've been showing them. I'm pretty sure you do the same or similar, but it's that awakening process that I feel that people are needing right now. And a lot of it has to do with, it reminds me of the Holy Grail. You know, it's like once you take a sip of the spirit, the, the, the Holy Grail, it's, your life is never the same. You start growing and evolving and understanding the levels of consciousness. And, and to me, I think that's what people are missing on so many different levels. So, yeah, when you're talking about the isolation, I feel like it, yeah, it's a necessity. And mine was kind of thwarted that way after the, um, the events I went through in 2004. It just, that's just the way it worked. But, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a reason well, I, behind it. Yeah, I, I think that the people that I've been working with, it's, it's kind of like I can't do it for you, but I can give you the tools that you can use mm-hmm. to do it for yourself. Right. And it, it, you're right. It's, it's a very different um, experience with people than, than a decade or so ago. A decade or so ago it was doing readings and giving information and stuff like that. And now there's actually a, an element of teaching of saying, okay, you know, let's 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 open that door. Let's make let's make that connection to the spirit within you, so the spirit can take over the instruction that's so important for you. But let you know, mm-hmm. I'll give you the tools. I, I can teach you lots of different tools. What works for you, great. What doesn't work for you, move on. You know, it's different for everybody, and everybody's path is different, and everybody's um, manner in which they make that connection and they cross that threshold and o- over that portal, it's it's all different for everybody. But but you know it all takes creativity. It takes it takes trusting the spirit within. It takes being in tune with your own energy, not somebody else's, but your energy, and then mm-hmm. flowing with that energy. And um, for a lot of people who are intellectually focused, it's it's. It's a big jump to make, but once they make it, you know, there's no holding them back. Mm-hmm, right, and then the intellect just flows in with the spirit, so it's actually a very nice balance. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barbara, I, I, I think your strategy is, your teaching strategy is effective. I, you know, I'm not even you know, genetically related uh, to you, and you know, I still find the you know, what you've talked about the you know taught me about the captain's logs, uh, you know, the the uh, you know, it's like really uh, you know, just really fascinated by you know, the Arctic exploration story. But it, that's a cool it, story. It just, yeah, it, it's just okay. You know, he's you know, you know, it's just the you know, way you present. You know, it's just kind of like a nonchalant uh, presentation of. Uh, oh, did you ever hear about this? Uh, you know, this story and you know, just you know, go on and you know, pull me into uh, you know what was intriguing about it. And yeah, you know, there, it, it, you know, there really is something that. You know, it's like a personal story, but you know, also, yeah, uh, you know, it's j- just the way you pres- present it can make um, other people just uh, really empathize with uh, what they're going th- you know, through at the time. Uh, you know, just you know, the need to survive in the uh, Arctic and you know, get. get out there, you know, how, how they live to tell the story. 
I'm just trying to relate my experience to what you were teaching. (laughs) Well, you know, it's. I think part of it is you need, in order to be a good teacher, you have to be good a good example of what you're teaching. And among other things, you know, and this is my philosophy only. It's not written in stone for other people, but it's my belief that no teacher should try to teach something they haven't experienced themselves. Mm-hmm. I agree and, with that 100%. And, and it's sort of like, you know, if, if you've been through something, if you've learned something, your words carry a great deal of power. And if you're just teaching from material you've read and trying to pass it on to other people, your words are empty, and usually they don't they don't go very far at all. Mm-hmm. But it, it's sort of totally like for the, for the longest time, if I was counseling somebody whose whose husband had passed away, you know, I basically could say, I can't imagine how you feel, but I'd like to help and support you. And then when Patrick was dying. He said, look at it this way, Barbara. You're going to be able to speak with authority and experience about losing your spouse. And I said, you know, that was something I didn't really need to have, but, but you're right. And shortly after he died, I had three or four people call me, and they had lost their, their spouse, and I could say, look, I understand. I know what you're feeling. And they knew I knew. And, and it, it's mm-hmm. just... Um, you see it with so many with so many things with so many people who are trying to sell you um, whatever uh, a philosophy a product anything if they don't believe in it themselves you know and and you don't have to be psychic to figure it out you just have to listen if the words are empty and they echo they aren't true and you walk away you don't pay attention mm-hmm. but it's like yep. it's like Solaris's book you know I've read it. You know I treasure it. You know I think it's fabulous. And I would bet you there are a whole bunch of people out there that are going to say, well, if it's that good, I'm going to have to look, take a look at it and see. <laughs> I hope because, they do. I really do. I, love um, it, yeah. I, I definitely have read it and stolen it. It's a great awakener, that's for sure. Oh, it really I is. hope so. And, and I think the joy of it is it's an easy read. It's not hard. Yeah. You make it simple. Now, yeah, I now tried the to do hard that. part. I don't, I don't like the big book. <laughs> well, well, no, and the hard part is you. Ha- is this is not something that normally happens overnight. You know, there are some lucky people that it does, but but for the most part, you work at it. And mm-hmm. and you know you let it you 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 become a part of the lesson you embrace the lesson you make it part of yourself and it becomes habit and it becomes a part of you and then the door opens. But mm-hmm. it takes time. Exactly. Mhm. Okay. Unless you're struck by lightning and then you have you know um, you you have enlightenment immediately and well, possibly death. Yes. <laughs> But that can be well, DNA activation kind of works that way. Less uh, intense, but yeah. Get that kind of electrical field going. Oh, yeah. No, it is, it mm-hmm. is exciting stuff. But, but as far as the future, I, I think the future is bright, but I think it's going to be a struggle, and I think we're going to have to really um, up our game. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I'd like to see more communities with light, light beings, uh, not necessarily light beings per se, but you know what I mean? Spiritually evolved beings getting together and creating more community. I'd, I'd like to see more of that going on. I think that would be very important for us to unify our fields more, you know, and uh, kind of yeah. take it up to the next overtone. Are, are, are there th- those kind of gatherings in person? Well, you can do them in person or on the Internet. I know Barbara's conducted some wonderful things and gatherings online, even with the remote viewing she was doing a while back. And I'd say however you can formulate people and get them together, we're always interconnecting on the on the virtual stream, you know, when it comes down to the Internet. So I think we can get together physically and spiritually. But I feel like it's very important because you can get out there and you can protest but there are other things we need to be doing behind the scenes on a more alchemical level, which I think might be effective. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to be doing that, but those of us who feel the importance of it might. Yeah, I, I was just saying, it probably, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, making the initial contact on you know, Facebook or whatever. But yeah, you know, I, I was just wondering if, you know, th- there are more. You know, like conventions where people are actually getting together and you know, just working on ways to uh, move people toward, you know, towards interesting. A, a more positive. Huh? Right. I don't see you know, that I, much going on. I don't know about Barbara, but I, I truly don't see a lot of that happening right now. I mean, I see workshops here and there, but the mm-hmm. most thing, the most I see are the UFO conventions, and those don't really talk about self-empowerment. I mean, they're not really talking about what we need to be focused on right now, if you ask me. So I don't know how Barbara feels about it, but I feel like we need to have more of that, uh, more gatherings about self-empowerment, spiritual progressions and consciousness, and how to navigate through these tidal waves that we're dealing with and all these rifting energies. But, um, you know, that's just me. No, no, I, no I, I agree. <clears throat> you know, I, I, Go ahead. You know, I, I, I just know many people do talk about well, you know, the UFO and Bigfoot conventions draw, you know, huge amounts of people, but, um, you know, uh, other uh, – uh, uh, you know, like the example you, uh, you gave, of, you know, where there's a little bit more uh, meaningful substance – yeah, there are smaller crowds. I, I was just hoping that you know, more people could get together who you know can uh, affect uh, people and have, have more of an impact on, uh, across society. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I was going. Well, we do need that. There's no doubt about it. And I will say, um, mm-hmm. I don't think Bigfoot's going to save anybody at the end of the day. You know, honestly, you have to save yourself and the illusion of but. But I will tell you one thing. When I was at Stargate to the Cosmos doing my presentations, I did, um, I, did, I did a presentation in two workshops. And the one workshop that was the most successful was the one about spirituality, DNA activation. And it was re- literally about my book, Barbara, Transmutation Through Ascension. And at the end, we were dealing uh, with energy and, and alchemy and water and programming water and then raising our vibration. And I must say, I think that was very impactful for people on a positive scale. So if I have to uh, suggest anything, I would say, if you're in the field of, of the light working or doing something where you're empowering people, that's where we need to be heading. It's just the UFOs after a while just become disinformation. I mean, I'm not trying to bash everything, but I will say we need to deal with the empowerment of who we really are and stop looking around for everything else. And, and through that, we'll find our awareness and answers. That's just me. So that's how I feel. No, no I, I agree, agree with, with you. you. 
but but you know also there are people out there that you know for fifteen hundred dollars in five days i can I can ascend you to you know fifth dimensional perception and and then at the end of the workshop, you know it's kind of like if you haven't ascended already your your guides will take you when it's time i mean it it shouldn't mm. cost money it should it it should cost time it should cost energy it should cost um dedication but but and people should be paid for their time absolutely i'm not against that but i am against trying to to rip people off when you say you can right. Outrageous. you can take yeah you can take them somewhere when they're when they aren't prepared to go it's sort mm-hmm. of like no, i'm going to take you yeah. i'm going to take you to bermuda but you know don't pack a suitcase i mean that sounds you know, a little snake oilish to me yeah it does yes i mean i do believe in charging for my time and i do but I do, um, yeah, outrageous amounts of money you've got to look twice at. You really have to look at some of that stuff, and I agree with you. And not to mention, we're already there in consciousness. It's just about reminding everybody that we're already there through our frequency. Absolutely. And teaching them how to, how to understand and communicate with that energy within them. Right. That's the whole thing behind it, and I think some of it might have been fear. Some people are afraid to access that level of their own divinity. Perhaps it, it's frightening to them or they've never and calibrated to it, but it's really not a big deal, but it is who they are. But I do see the fear thing coming in where people are nervous about uh, diving into their own spirituality. Yeah. Could be it, 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 but it's such fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Without, I'm, I'm magical anyways. I've always loved magic, mysticism, spirituality. So to me, it's the norm. And when I'm yeah. away from that, I feel terrible. You know, I'm just like, I, I just don't shine the way, the way I need to, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it is such an exciting time, spiritually speaking, now. And, and it's, it's kind of like you want to share it and you want to help people get to the same place you are or, or beyond. And, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, just, just it, it takes work. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's, nobody has, you know, somebody said to me, can't you just get me there? And I said, my wand, my magic wand is in the shop, you know, so <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to go through the steps. And, and somebody said, well, how many steps are there? And I said, as many as you need. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's different for everybody. But don't tell them we're at and, the top of the pyramid, Barbara. <laughs> no, you know, something it, it's sort of like, you reach the mountaintop, you arrive, and then you turn around and you realize there's a whole other mountain to climb. Oh, yeah, that could be that, too. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like it reminds me of, uh, what is it, uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know, you had the power all along, Dorothy. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's We've always had the power. We just weren't reminded or activated or whatever it was that we forgot, temporary amnesia, whatever it is, it's gone now. You know, we're here now. But that's really what it is. We always have the power. It's always there. I love that. Well, and, what did she, and what did she say? You know, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. It's inside of you, and mm-hmm. and you don't. It's not outside. It's inside. It's not. It's not something you have to pay a fortune for and go to classes and stuff like that. Everybody can do it for themselves. Just get Solaris's book. Um, you know, it's 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 really not hard. It's just work. And, and yes, sometimes in a group it's a lot it's a lot easier because there are other people you can com, you know compare notes with and stuff like that. But the journey is different for everybody, and, mm-hmm. and so you know it, it's it is it's but it's an exciting journey. I mean, I'm still on it. 
you're still on it. We mm-hmm. haven't, you know, we haven't arrived, but but we're at least, you know, we're, we're at least on the train. <laughs> That's right. The bridge is there. The stars are there. <clears throat> yeah. Shining. Yep. And, and, and there sure. are lots of of voids uh, opening up and. You know, people, you know, we covered that in the first part, and there's a lot of people being disillusioned with uh, uh, so, you know, so, so many institutions, and, you know, and you realize, uh, you know, all the uh, child abuse stuff from churches, and, and you know, it's just, you know, th- things are shifting, and, you know, there's, you know Ideas uh, uh, there to fill the gap, and I think uh, what both of you offer tonight uh, hopefully will attract people who want to seek something better. Yeah, take you to the next level. Well, I don't know about you, Barbara, but I I do know that this year is going to be a Trinity year in in numerology, Uh anyways. For the that's a good number for the Divine Goddess energy. So I feel like. We can step into another direction with the, with the divine feminine, and that is about empowerment on many many levels. So I feel like that can be really powerful for everybody and males too. So uh, definitely alchemy of spirit, in my opinion. So let's take it to the highest overtone. Well, yeah, I mean, men have the feminine in them too, and and you know that's a bi- it's a big challenge for men because because that energy is needed for them to get to where they want to go too. But it's it's really it's an exciting time. Um, and I'm finding more men becoming interested in this. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. um, I'm seeing it too. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's it's fabulous because you know at, it used to be you know if you found a man you know it, it was a shock, but these these days um, it feels as though the the men are as interested and you know they they pretend to be reluctant but i i love the fact that they try that they're looking at it that they're listening to it that they're checking it out and saying yeah that might not be so bad and um mm-hmm. a lot of artists a lot of oh a lot of artists especially musicians you know are very mm-hmm. open to all of this oh yeah which which definitely. is well like which again, is, it's that grail thing again it reminds me of the grail oh, yeah. you know where they're looking for this this beautiful divine energy and they just take one sip of the grail, and then they just remember, you know, they start to uh-huh. heal. Yeah, it's exciting. Mark, you better mm-hmm. start saying good night. Mark takes half an hour to say good night. And, Mark, so. thank you for having me and Barbara. It's a pleasure. I love both of you. You're wonderful. And and Happy New Year again. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah well, uh, why don't we just let Polaris uh, wrap up the show so I don't uh, go over and make the blog talk lady <laughs> mad at me. Well, you won't. I wrap up in 10 seconds or less. I just want to say thank you. And my books are on Amazon.com if anybody's interested in Transmutation for Ascension or One Million Miles to Midnight, my other books. There you go. And you're, and you're going to be on the show with me towards the end of the month. I am. I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to it, Barbara. Uh, do you have any uh, conferences coming up? Um, not yet. I'll keep you posted. My website's Night Shadow Anomaly Detective if anybody wants to access. Go over there and check it out. Okay. Um, and Mark, what do you I, have coming up? Uh, let's see. I think next Wednesday is our next show with Susan Messino. Let me uh, looking uh-huh. at Secrets of the Universe.
verse and t- talking about um, ACDC. Well, so oh, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of music uh, to raise our vibrational levels. Definitely, um, Mark. You got to say good night now. Hey, th- thanks everyone. Thanks, Hilarious. Thanks, Barbara. And we'll see you Wednesday. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, we really appreciate your being with us, and we look forward to um, the next show. And uh, thank you, Mark, for pulling such wonderful people together so that we can share the information. <laughs>